Hello, and welcome to the History of the Goths. Before I get into this episode, I want to give a little warning about how I'm going to treat names. Over time, the Goths are referred to by many different names, such as Gutones or Gothones, but I will stick to calling them Goths throughout the show, as I do not want to proverbially spoil the broth with so many names. This means, if I refer to the Gothic people as Goths, that does not necessarily mean they were referred to by that name at said time. I really hope that explanation wasn't confusing. With most of the foundation laid out, there is one more big part to cover before jumping into the story. Where the Goths came from. The main source for this topic is the previously mentioned Origo Gothica by our friend Jordanes. Jordanes was a 6th century Eastern Roman government official of Gothic descent, though he was completely Romanized and wrote in Latin. His History of the Goths is actually based on an earlier history written by the Roman senator Cassiodorus under the Ostrogothic king Theodric the Great, which is unfortunately now lost. It should be noted that since Cassiodorus's work was written with the patronage of a Gothic king, that it was certainly made more favorable to the Goths than reality. Thus, Jordanes's work should be read with a measure of skepticism. Jordanes pinpoints the place of origin of the Goths as Scandinavia, or as he calls it, the island of Skansa. The belief that Scandinavia was an island was common at that time. This origin has been accepted by most modern historians, but there have been some arguments for a Baltic origin or one further south in the land of modern-day Austria, hence the argument between the Swedish and Austrian bishops mentioned in the last episode. The archaeological record supports Jordanes' claim with Gothic jewelry and art being found in southern Sweden. There is also of note the incredible similarities between the Goths and other tribes noted to have come from Scandinavia, such as the Rugians, Vandals, and Heruli, in terms of dress, culture, and combat. This area is also known today as Jutland, or in English, Gothland, further showing the importance of the Gothic identity to early Sweden. To get to the point, I believe the Goths originated in Scandinavia. An important question to answer is, why did the Goths leave Scandinavia? In terms of push factors, the one considered the most likely by historians is a famine or some other kind of event where there was not enough food to go around in the growing population of the Goths. This is a common theme in Scandinavia where lack of food and prospects have been a driving force of emigration up to the 20th century. It would not be surprising if the Goths began to believe they could better sustain themselves and live more comfortably somewhere other than cold, cold Scandinavia. On the side of pull factors, the Goths have an aptitude for military matters, and their status as a warrior people has never had doubt cast upon it. Even if this badge of honor had not yet been earned, it is still quite likely that the classic stories of rich foreign lands ripe for the taking proved to be songs to the ears of the Goths and in some way motivated their migration. Our first name pops up at this point with the Gothic king Berig. Not much is known about King Berig other than that he was the one that decided on the migration and led the crossing of the Baltic Sea. He is also the progenitor of the Berig clan, which will rule the Goths for the next few generations. With this voyage in mind, Jordanes says the Goths made the journey in three large boats in a single journey, but modern historians tend to argue now that the migration was a many years long process. 
Remember that this is a group of separate clans and is more decentralized than, say, the Romans. Some clans took more time than others to move, and of course, some would stay in Scandinavia and form part of the modern-day Scandinavian gene pool. Trodanes also believe that the journey happened thousands of years before 0 AD, but again, modern historians tend to move it up to around the time of the birth of Christ. The Goths that did leave would wind up in a region known to us as Pomerania, or in terms of modern nations, northeastern Germany and northwestern Poland. The Goths would dub this place Gothiskanza, literally Gothic Scandinavia. Soon after their arrival, the Goths came into contact with the people that Jordanes refers to as the Ulmerugi, who are most likely the Rugian people, a Germanic tribe that also migrated out of Scandinavia. Conflict erupted between the Goths and the Rugians. Though sadly nothing is known about this fight, other than that the Goths were victorious, and the result was that the Rugians fled westward, and the Goths settled in their place. Tacitus notes both the Gothic and Rugian armed forces being made up mostly of infantry wielding short swords and round shields, so it is difficult to give a reason for the Goths' victory, other than the more centralized authority of the Gothic king, or the personal leadership of King Berig. After the flight of the Rugians, Jordanes writes that the Goths defeated the Vandals in battle, but Hervig Wolfram theorizes that this did not happen, and in fact the Vandals and a confederation of neighboring Germanic tribes, including the Lugians, made the Goths vassals, and that the Goths broke free of this vassalage slowly over time, which is the victory that Jordanes mentions. This is supported by the fact that at the time of writing his history, Pliny the Elder refers to the Goths as a sub-tribe of the Vandals. This Vandalic Lugian confederation was also subservient to the Marcomannic king, connecting the Goths on the edge of Germania to the most important Germanic tribe of the time. This is also important as it marks the first time the Goths and the Vandals meet in conflict. Their often tense and violent rivalry that began here will develop and harden for hundreds of years until the rise of the Germanic kingdoms after the fall of the Western Roman Empire. It should be noted here that Tacitus clearly designates the Goths as part of Germania, even if only on the periphery. There is a story of them hosting a rebel that escaped from the Marcomanni, which shows that their vassalage was never so strong as they had to answer to the beck and call of the Vandals or the Marcomanni. This time between 0 and 150 AD, where the Goths inhabit Gothiscanza, also marks the first known outgrowth, or split of the Goths, with the Gepids. In the story of the three boats recalled by Jordanes, the third boat to reach the Pomeranian coast was met with cheers of Gepanta, or slow in Gothic, from those who had already landed, thus giving them their tribal name. Though this story is most likely apocryphal, it is all we have for an explanation of the origin of the Gepids. So what else happened during the Goths' time in Gothiscanza, you may be asking. During this time, the Goths continue to grow in terms of population and continually expand eastward across the Vistula River. The Goths then break away from the Vandal-dominated confederation around 100 AD, which is definitely long after the death of Berig, who led the migration around 0 AD. So you're probably wondering why I haven't introduced another king at this point. Well, it's because we don't know when Berig died, or when the transition between kings happened, or who the next king even was, or the one who followed him, or the one who followed him. Yeah, annoying, right? The three kings who followed directly after Berig are unknown, 
with the fourth being Goderig, who we only know the name of. The fifth king following Berig, Philomer, is where the picture begins to reassemble itself. Philomer was the son of Goderic, and they, along with the three previous kings, were all members of the Berig clan, showing the influence the family had in what was an elective monarchy at this point. Filmer would be the one that makes the decision that changes the destiny of the Goths forever. He, drumroll, decides that they are going to migrate. Wait, what? I thought Barry did that. And that's where I respond, yes, and they're doing it again. Around the year 150 AD, Filmer and the Goths begin to move southeast. We are given no explanation for this migration, but I tend to believe a big push factor was overpopulation in Gothiskanza. The Goths were continuously growing in size during this time, and there may not have been enough land for the people or too many other closely neighboring tribes to expand in the area, especially since we know they had conflict with multiple of the neighboring tribes, such as the Vandals. There could have also been more tribes migrating from Scandinavia to the area, thus pushing the Goths southward. Pull factors could have included whispers of the wide open lands near the Black Sea, just waiting to be conquered. Again, it is difficult to really pull much out of these early sources on the Goths, which are pretty bare at best. This journey was mostly unremarkable, with only one tale from it having survived. According to Jordanes, as the Goths were crossing a bridge, it suddenly collapsed, splitting the Goths for good. Though the story is itself unlikely, as there is no giant gorge in Eastern Europe that could just never be crossed again, it does have a reason for its appearance in the Origogothica, as it does likely symbolize the beginning of the division of the Goths between those who settled to the east of the Dnieper River in Oyum, or what we know today as Ukraine, and those who settled to the west of the river in Dacia, or modern-day Romania. After completion of the journey, Filmer would eventually die and would be remembered as the last king of the Goths to hail from the Berry clan thus bringing an end to the family that guided the Goths through their early hardships on the continent. They would be remembered in folktales and songs by the later Goths for centuries to come. Once the Goths arrived in Oyum, they came into conflict with and routed the Spali, a local tribe, just as they did the Rugians. With this victory, the Goths' position in Oyum was secure and the tribe was able to settle. Though the Goths did not live alone in Oyum, and would now not just be neighbors to their fellow Germanic peoples, but also Sarmatian tribes and steppe peoples. This would be a violent confrontation at first, but over time Gothic hegemony was established, and by around 200 AD, the Sarmatian hold on the region had certainly been crushed and replaced by Gothic ascendancy. The Sarmatians were an Iranian nomadic people that originated in the Eurasian steppe that in the 4th century BC migrated to the Caucasus. From there, they were pressured by conflict with other tribes to move westward into the Pontic Steppe and Oyum. They would quickly absorb many of the peoples and tribes already in Oyum and become a dominant power there for centuries, even having the ability to force the Greek city-states on the Black Sea coast to pay tribute. The Sarmatians would even move out of this zone to loot and pillage the Romans across their continuously unstable Danube border into Thrace and Macedonia, this situation continued until the arrival of the Goths. Though the Goths' settlement would lead more to a fusion and intermixing of the two peoples rather than a complete destruction of the Sarmatians, this fusion would become quite evident in the Goths, especially those to the east of the Dnieper, especially in terms of cavalry-based warfare, 
which would become very important to the Goths' later migratory adventures. The cultural exchange of the Goths and the Sarmatians certainly made it much more difficult for Roman observers to tell them apart. It did not help that their phenotypes were incredibly similar as well, both being mostly made up of people of great size who had blonde hair, fair skin, and light-colored eyes. With the mention of Romans as a little bit of a teaser for next week's episode, this seems like a good place to end this episode. Before I go, I would just like to say thank you for listening. I will see you next time, so until then, you've been listening to the History of the Goths. <laughs>